0: Well, good morning guys. It is really good to be back. Um, We were gone for a week to Nicaragua and so that was Saturday to Saturday and and when we got back, Jennifer and I took a quick um, one night trip to the beach. Uh, Our son's bluegrass band was playing down there and we look for any excuse we can to kind of catch them when they're close by and if you get an extra day at the beach, it's not that bad, right? So um, yeah, we we snuck off to the beach and came back last Monday. So uh, Really appreciate Lucas and Caleb filling in. Didn't they do a great job these last two weeks? Amen. I love that um, when I go, I don't have to worry about what's happening here. Um, And that's a good thing, right? When we got people that can fill in, appreciate Gerald stepping in on the technology stuff while I was gone. and It just, everything went smooth. Um, And um, I was able to catch part of the message from Nicaragua, which is pretty amazing, Uh, you know, just to be able to watch it live there. Uh, And then... Last week we were able to watch the the service with Caleb from the beach, and so it's just awesome um, to know that um, God is at work here at Cornerstone. I'm excited about that. You'll hear a little bit more about our mission trip today Um, as part of the message. We'll get to that in in a few minutes, Um, and the team will share with you uh, about the trip Um, today. We're going to be talking about uh, this new series. Caleb kicked this off last week, called One Another. Um, and this is uh, when we talk about the one and others of Scripture, what we're talking about is how do we live out our faith in everyday life? Um, and when we talk about community at Cornerstone, and that's really what we're talking about, how do we do this together? Uh, you, you see, as, as Christians, um, and you'll hear us say this, as, as Christians, right, we don't go to church, right? We don't go to church because we are the church. And so the church is not this building. The church is the people in this building. And that's why, really, you can't do the Christian life alone. Uh, A lot of people like to be independent and think, "I, I don't need to go to church. I can worship on my own. But the problem is, throughout Scripture, what we see over and over again is that we have a community of faith. We have a group of believers that meets together, prays together, serves together. What, in essence, they're doing is the one-anothers of Scripture. As you read through Scripture, you'll see over 50 different one-another commands, right? Um, and so it, it tells us to care for one another, to serve one another, to admonish one another, to bear with one another, to submit to one another, uh, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. And all of these, it, it just, they're, they're really specific ways that we can love one another. And so these can only be lived out in relationship with each other. Now, in our culture today, though, the problem is, and and here's where we run into trouble, our culture values independence and autonomy. And and that's just the way our culture is. We like being on our own. We like being self-sufficient. We like thinking we don't need anyone's help. And that's where it kind of comes into conflict with the way the Bible teaches us. And we even see this as we read Scripture. When we read Scripture, we'll read a command and it says, you need to do this, right? And we read that and we read that as to us as an individual. The problem is, many times in Scripture when it says you, it's not really the best uh, translation because we read that as a singular you, but in essence it is you all. So really the Bible needs to be retranslated and say y'all. That's what it needs to say. Y'all need to do this. Y'all need to worship God. Y'all need to obey God. Y'all need because that's in the Greek language. That's in essence what it, it's a plural. You are like, and even in in old English translations, ye, uh, you see, ye. That was plural. You, you, and thou was a singular. You. So there was a distinction there that we don't really use in our language today. In Spanish, right? You have usted and ustedes. Uh, which is the singular you versus plural you, we don't do that in our life. La- in, in, today, we just have singular, right? So that's the problem. We read everything like it's directed just to me when in essence, God is speaking to us. And so we need to remember that, that when it comes to our faith, it is a faith that we live out together, that we work together, we serve together. And today, we're going to be focusing in on this command to serve one another. Now, um, when you re- look at Paul's letters to the churches, what he does—he writes not to an individual; he writes to the church. And again, he says, "Y'all need to fix this. <laughs> Y'all are doing stuff wrong. Y'all need to get back to the, what's important." And um, I, I just—I just keep thinking about that as, I, as, as we do this study, and that's a, a huge reason we're doing this study. We've got to get back to understanding we need each other. Um, A man once told John Wesley, uh, he said, Sir, you wish to serve God, you wish to go to heaven. Remember, you cannot serve him alone. You must therefore find companions or make them, because the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. That statement had a profound impact on John Wesley in his ministry, that the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. It affected how he taught. It affected how he set up uh, the, the whole system of teaching and discipleship that later became the Methodist church. All right? And, and, and the, 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 the thing is, that today, we again, we forget how important it is to do life together. And so let's start off with kind of a foundational belief this morning that we need to understand if we're going to serve one another. And, and it's simply this, every believer has been gifted to serve. Every single one of us has been gifted to serve. I see so many people that are kind of afraid to jump in and serve. They would, they would prefer to kind of be on the outskirts, kind of outside looking in. Um, let me give you a sports analogy. Um, I like basketball. I like playing basketball, watching basketball. I'm not good at it anymore because in my mind I can still do things and when I get out there I just I think I picture myself jumping and then I don't. You know it's just like it's frustrating, but in my mind, I still can play, I guess. Um, but in basketball, you've got five, five people on the court, right? And, and what happens? You get your five best players, and they're on the court playing. And then you have the bench, and they bring the excitement, but they're watching. And occasionally, they get to go in, you know, and, and play. But it, and in essence, the basketball is all about those five players on the court at the moment. And I feel like that's how many people view the church. Let's get our best people and put them into service. And the rest of us, we're going to stay on the bench and we're going to cheer. right? We're going to to be excited about what's going on, but we're watching. We're not part of the action. Now, that's a great model for basketball. It's a terrible model for church. Absolutely terrible way to do church. Because every single believer needs to be in the game. The model needs to be everybody is playing. Everybody is using their gifts. Everybody has found their place where God wants them to serve. Everybody has a gift. And the reality is when you become a believer, each and every person, you receive a spiritual gift that you can use to glorify God and to serve others. And In 1 Peter Um, it talks about this whole idea that we've been gifted, that we are part of the body, everybody's important, and when somebody's not serving, we're missing out because we're missing a vital part of the body. In 1 Peter 4, it says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. You have the gift of helping others. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. I love that because it just says we're not all the same. Right? Some of you would absolutely hate standing up here and speaking. That would be like the, the most fearful thing for you to do. Right? And some of you, it doesn't bother at all. Some of you, right, uh, to, to, to go and to sing, you're like, man, I can't sing. The right? only thing I can, uh, I, I can tune a radio and that's about it. You know, I can't, can't do anything. Some of you, uh, but love serving behind the scenes. Some of you like technology. Some of you don't. Uh, there's so many different spiritual gifts, leadership and all these different things that we can do. But the reality is God has wired and created each one of us differently. And and that's all right. We don't all have to look the same, act the same, have the same personality, have the same experiences. God is not looking for uniformity. He's looking for, for us to be conformed to Jesus. And we all are different. We all have different gifts and abilities and experiences that come together to make us the church that we are. And so our gifts, though, this is important, they're not for us. What is a spiritual gift? It's a special ability that God has given to believers for service in the church, the body of Christ. It's a supernatural ability that you have that God has gifted you with. And it's not to, br- it's not to make yourself famous. It's not to lift yourself up. It's to, it's to honor God. And here's where the problem comes in, is we sometimes mistakenly think it's all about us. We think, you know, we, we like being the center of attention. We like the fame, the, uh, the, you know, we like the applause. We like everybody cheering us on, but it's not about us. And if your gift is bringing glory to you and not Jesus, it's not a, it's not a spiritual gift, right? That's not what spiritual gifts are about. Uh, there's some of you may be sitting here and like, Mike, you're talking about gifts. I don't know how I'm gifted. And there's some ways you can kind of discover it. Um, uh, one of the ways is you, you've probably seen these spiritual gift tests. Have you all ever seen those or taken one? And they're, they're decent, right? They give you an overview of the different things. They make you aware of different types of spiritual gifts as defined in Scripture that are out there. They're not an exhaustive list, but they give you an idea of the different kinds of gifts that you can have. Here's my problem, though, with those. When we take a, an assessment or a test, we pretty much make it say what we want it to say, right? You, you know, have you ever noticed that on any kind of psychological assessment? You, if, you, if, you like think if you think you're a good leader, you're going to answer the questions, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, and then, oh, I, guess what? My spiritual gift is leadership. Well, if nobody's following you, you're not a leader, Right? I mean, that's just kind of, if you want to know if you're a leader, look behind you and see if anybody's listening to what you have to say. The the, the best way, I'll tell you this, and this this is huge, the best way to discover your spiritual gifts is to serve. It's to try different things. It's to jump in, to get off the sidelines, get in the game. And if it's a true spiritual gift, you may have a gift that you don't even know about. I've told you before my story a little bit that I was the kid in school that never talked, shy, sat in the back of the classroom, made it through college without meeting a single professor, literally. Like, I mean, I just, I didn't care. I was like the one that never talked, never did anything, just did my work and got through. And then, like, God has such a sense of humor. He's like, hey, I want you to be in ministry. I want you to teach youth, and I want you to teach teenagers. And later that turned into being a pastor. And I'm like, I would have never in a million years guessed that I could teach because it wasn't something that I would ever try on my own, right? That's how you can know something's a spiritual gift. You go in and try it, you see God using you, and you're like, this is it. Uh, That's one of the things I love about mission trips. It gives people a chance to discover their, their gifts and to see how everyone has a gift that works with each other. We're all different, but when you get on the mission field and you're just thrown in it, it's like jumping in the deep end of the pool. Well, you, you're, you're sinking or swimming, right? And you see how everybody's gifts come together to not, only, to, to not only swim, but to swim well and to work and be effective in ministry. And so uh, that kind of brings me to my, my second point. Uh, we share the love of Christ when we serve others when we serve others, it really, it's amazing how when we do it well, when we serve well, when we serve with the gifts that God has given us, what people see is the love of Jesus through us. Again, it's not about us. I've shared today often about how our culture today is a little bit of a mess. Um, there's a lot of people mad, a lot of people, Uh, frustrated with culture, and I understand it. It, it, It's confusing when we look out at the world around us. Uh, But instead of getting mad and condemning culture, what if we started serving culture with love? See, the Bible says that God demonstrated His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, He wasn't mad at us. He sent His Son Jesus for us. That's the example we have. And I've said it before, we can't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. What they need to see in us is the love of Christ. They need to see us serving so that we can break down those barriers so that we can share Jesus. That's what we do on mission trips. And that's what we do right here in our own community. In Galatians 5, it says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in one command love your neighbor as yourself but if you're always biting and devouring each other one another watch out beware of destroying one another we like destroying each other in our world today we like just loading up and letting loose all right what the world needs to see is love your neighbor as yourself and who is our neighbor Jesus definitively answered that for us with the parable of the good samaritan or Our neighbor is that person who we normally don't associate with, who looks different from us, who maybe is in a different socioeconomic class, who maybe is a different ethnicity than ourselves. It's that person that we normally look at with disgust, and Jesus says, that's your neighbor. That's who you love. That's how you serve. We forget that. We're too busy biting and devouring one another, as scripture says, all right, instead of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so I'm telling you, and, and I still, I would wholeheartedly believe, believe this. This is my opinion. In our world today, in our culture today, the best way to share our faith is serving, it, it's earning the right to be heard, it's breaking down those barriers, it's people st- tr- starting to trust us. So that then we can share about Jesus with them. Um, you know, there's been all different methods of evangelism through the years. But in our culture today, service is how you can win people to Jesus. And we've seen that on the mission field. Let, let me tell you a little bit about Nicaragua and then you'll hear from the team. We've been going to Nicaragua now as a church. I think we started in 2006 or seven, uh, around working with Because We Care Ministries in Nicaragua. Uh, It was started in the year 2000 after Hurricane Mitch, and uh, man, we've been going back year after year. Um, We've taken lots of people, lots of people in this room have been to Nicaragua over the years and and served. Um, This year, we took seven from our church, four teenagers, three adults. Uh, There were seven from another church in Kannapolis, North Carolina, that joined us there, and so we kind of had one team of 14 people, Um, and so... Uh, let me show you a video with some of the pictures from the week, and then the team will come up. While the video is playing, the team will come up. Um, each night we got together and we had everybody share what we called God moments. Like, where did you see God at work today? And so what I asked these guys to do this morning to share a God moment from the week with you guys. is something they learned, experienced, saw. So we'll start on this end.
1: Mine from the whole week would just be seeing all the kids there and seeing how much fun they have, even though they don't have a lot at all. And then coming back and seeing how much our kids have here, and how blessed we are. Um, it was really eye-opening, and just seeing everyone working together, especially from the other group. Um, just seeing all of us work together for the good of God. My favorite, my favorite part, <laughs> my favorite parts were working together and the friendships and bond we built together as we help the people of the villages and uh god can really help people around you if you're willing to, he can if you're willing to help help him
2: um and that's what i got my god moment for the week was seeing what god can do through a joyful servant a good example of that was the leader of the other group um his name was bill but everywhere he went he was always smiling and he was always cracking jokes and being funny And there was never a dull moment with him. And it's like whether it was playing games back at the casa or playing with kids or leading skits or anything, he was always smiling. And it's just cool to see what God can do for a joyful and willing heart. My God moment was the translators they had down there. Because me, like, first going down and thinking about going, I was like, it's going to be hard because I don't, you know, speak Spanish. And... Like, it'll, it'll be hard to share the gospel and whatnot. But the translators they had down there were, like, really good. Like, they they were such a good example of how to lead, like, Christ, like in a good example or whatever. And everywhere we go, they were so cheerful and whatever. And I just thought they were the—personally, they were my favorite part of the trip. But So my least favorite part was the heat. Uh, but, you know, you go in kind of expecting that. You, re- you look at the weather, and it says, like, 92. Then you read the feels like, and it's, like, 102 or higher because of the wonderful percentage of humidity. But, um, of course, I really love seeing all the babies. Like, there were so many just cute babies down there. But um, I really had a good time playing with the kids, blowing up balloons, doing all that. But I love to see, like, I love to see these guys really um, jump in. Like, it was, it was amazing to see them jump in no matter what we asked, no matter where we went, they were like, they just went and did it. Um, but the big thing, I was thinking about it in between services, um, when I first went down there, I don't remember what trip it was, but I got to talk with um, the, the one, he was just a translator and bus driver, Roberto, um, and get to know his story. Um, You know, his wife had come in. She was a translator, and then she talked him into coming in and kind of helping out. So he'd drive the bus, and Don would always pick on him about how he parked or how he'd be late or whatever it would be. Um, But, like, he was nervous about going in, and his English was rough, Uh, and that was putting it in a nice way, you know, early on in the years. But um, now to see what God has done in his life, how he's kind of stepped in the role where Don isn't there anymore like he he did an amazing job phenomenal job him and his wife both of just like taking the reins and running with it and I know that's part of the legacy that Don left with him in the the time and the hours and you know the love that he poured into Roberto and Johanna and it was just amazing for me to see that encouraging for me to you know step out and even in the stuff that I'm already involved in to to dive in deeper and do a little more so
0: Jennifer and I are going to do ours together, um, and we kind of argued about this a little yeah, bit. We almost
1: had a fight over who got to share this story, so we're going to split it up, and if he talks too long, I'm going to cut him off and jump in. So
0: so I've got to give the backstory story, though, okay? So uh, we, for years, have sponsored a child through Compassion International, and that the child that we'd sponsored in Indonesia kind of aged out, and it was about seven or eight years ago. I well, know, about nine years ago, I think we decided. Um, we were at a concert in Charlotte, um, Wren Collective Concert, and went to a table, Compassion International table. And if you've ever been, they have little packets with information about kids. And so we picked one. We found one that was in Nicaragua. And we said, hey, we go to Nicaragua, and this would be cool. Let's, let's, let's sponsor her. So we started sponsoring her. And about three years later, uh, it was actually six years ago today, we had the chance to meet our, the child that we sponsor. Um, we worked it out through Compassion. Uh, yeah, we've got a picture. That's my daughter with her there. Um, and the neat thing is my daughter actually works for Compassion International now. Um, so it's kind of come full circle here. But um, this child, you know, we arranged to meet her in Nicaragua. And you have to go through the whole process, pay money, get background checks, all this And so we still didn't know really where she lived or where she was in Nicaragua. We just knew it was, we knew it was in the same like state, same department that we were going to. So we arranged to have her meet, we meet her and we're talking and Jennifer's crying, obviously. Um, A lot. A lot. (laughs) Um, And we find out, where do you live? Um, And she's like, over there. And we're like, what do you mean? She's like. Over there. Literally, it was by air, it was probably a quarter of a mile from where we were sitting. Uh, just on the other side of the river. Um, you had to drive around to a bridge and get over back over to, but it was right there. And so we actually went to her house, which you're kind of not supposed to do. But um, the, the compassion translator said, y'all need to see this. And that's where she lived, just tarps there. Um, dirt floor. Anytime it rained, they had to get everything up because it just like flooded, all right? Um, pretty harsh conditions. Um, and that's her mom and her brother with her there. And so that was six years ago. Today, July second, two thousand seventeen, we came back as a church um, and said, "Hey, we need to do something." We talked to Donald Gillette, who was the head of the ministry there, and said, "Hey, can you build her a house? Can we do something?" He builds a lot of houses there, and he's like, "You give me uh, 30, you, If you can raise thirty-five hundred dollars, we'll build her a house. If we can get permission, go through it." That took two years, but in 2019, we went back, dug the footers, poured the footers, and were able to build her a house. And a
1: lot of you guys gave to that um, in this church. So yeah. um, we raised $3,500 in less than two weeks to build her house. So
0: Yeah, and so... I'll kind of give you let you pick up oh, the story it's from my there. Turn? It's your turn. Okay.
1: Unless you want right. me to tell something else. No, no. I'll I'll take it from here. So, um so yeah, that that happened the house was built um actually cornerstone got to be there when they poured the footers for that house. Some of the team I wasn't on that trip, but but Mike was. So, her house was built. Um we really haven't had contact with her because of COVID and then we looked into getting another um, you know kind of meet meet up with her through compassion this time because we knew where we were going and they're not doing trips there again there's still some COVID restrictions there's some you know political unrest so they don't do compassion trips in Nicaragua right now so we were kind of like well you know we probably won't get to see her um, but God had different plans. So we went to um, church on Sunday night. They go to church on Sunday night there. Um, The night before, on Saturday, we had talked to Joanne and Roberto. They knew her story. They had been part of building her house and, you know, really didn't have any updates on her, really didn't know much about her. We just kind of had a casual conversation about that. And Sunday night at the end of the church service, Roberto comes up to me and says, hey, Jenny, guess who's here? And I said, well, I don't know anybody in Nicaragua but you, so who? And he says, um, your girl. And he meant Anna. So she was at church. Um, there we are. I didn't cry this time. you to be so proud of me. I was very happy, as you can see. Um, and anyway, he told me, he said, so she was here two weeks ago. Um, now I remember that that's her, but I didn't make the connection. We had a mission team here. They shared the gospel she came forward and I prayed with her. So Roberto prayed with her to receive Christ two weeks before we got there. Um, and just to think that God had gone before us and had done that, just it blew our minds. blew Roberto's mind and he had, like I said, he had made that connection until she saw us from the back of the church and said, went to Roberto and said, "Hey, that's Mike and Jennifer, that's my sponsors that I met can." Can I go talk to them? So, of course, we were, yes, you can come talk to us. So, uh, we both hugged her, took a picture. We were able to talk to her for about five minutes before she had to jump back on her, her ride back to her house. So, um, anyway, that was our God moment. It was a huge one for us. I woke up the next two mornings thinking it was a dream, like that it couldn't have really happened, that, that God would work something that that incredible out. So, um, if you ever doubt that God works things out and works when we're not 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 a part of and don't even know it's happening um he does so that's awesome and I don't think that's the end of our story with her I really don't I think God's got more in store for that so to be continued
0: (laughs) so um I don't know I think that's a good overview kind of what the week was about a little bit but um uh, thank you guys for sharing and um man it was an awesome trip so
1: Teenagers grow so much um, in that week. And you could just see the joy on their face as they watched that video and remembered back to that trip. So if you have teenagers and you want to send them, we'll take them because um, it, it's awesome for them.
0: I'll share that the first time that I went to Nicaragua, I think it was 16 years ago. Um, my thought was, I'm the pastor here. I need to go experience it, see what it's like so I can tell others about it. But it's not really what I'm called to do. I thought it was going to be one and done kind of experience. Um, that was my plan. God had other plans. Um, again, it's amazing when you get there and see the need and see how God can use you and what, how you can help and how you can serve and how you can equip other people. Um, I started going back every year, um, most years. I missed a couple along the way. Some years I went two, two times and did a lot of pastor training. Uh, worked a lot with uh, the, minister, the missionary there, Donald Gillette. Uh, became really close friends with him. We traveled a lot together, did a lot of pastor training together. And uh, we, you heard Donald mention a few times, he passed away uh, July 18th last year. And so this was our first trip back to Nicaragua without Donald. And um, it was tough uh, this year because everywhere we looked, we kind of saw things that made us remember his impact and his legacy there. Um, but what I love and what kind of Eugene shared, the ministry is continued. Uh, even during COVID, when no mission teams were going in, the, the local missionaries, the mission team there, were going out into the villages, preparing food, serving, sharing Jesus day after day. And that kind of leads me to my, my, my final point this morning. Um, is serving, it just reminds us that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. They're, the Because We Care Ministries, their slogan there. And you actually saw it, I think, on one of the pictures there. It's Total es Cerca de Jesús. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's Everywhere you go, it's all about Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do on the mission field. That's why we do what we do here at Cornerstone. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about making Cornerstone great. It's not about making our own name great. It's about Jesus. And so when we serve... Right, what we're doing is we're pointing people to Jesus. Even the disciples had trouble with this. They argued and they would get in these discussions like, well, who's the greatest disciple? And who's going to get to sit at the right hand of honor of you in the kingdom of God? And they were arguing about this and they were all fighting about who's the most important. And uh, Jesus kind of spoke into that in Matthew 20. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they became indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world, they lord it over their people, their officials flaunt authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The example that Jesus gave us is that if we want to be effective in what we do, it's not about people serving us, it's about serving others. And and if, if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to remember how Jesus actually lived. You've got to see how he served the least of these and so what that means, it means it's not about our preferences. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our entertainment when we serve. It's about service. It's about sacrifice. It's about building the kingdom of God. In Matthew 25, this, this famous passage just reminds us of how important serving others is. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and sow you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it, To one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You never know the divine appointments, the divine opportunities that God will give you to share His love with someone else. You never know who is going before you. Do you think it was a coincidence that we sponsored a little girl, that we picked up a packet at a concert nine years ago in Charlotte, and we just happened to be right where that little girl lives? Do you think that's a coincidence? That's God's providence. It's God at work. And do you think it's a coincidence that uh, another mission team was able to to, to lead her to Christ just two weeks before we were there? That's that's God laying out the foundation and and putting the right people in the right places at the right time so that she could hear the gospel and respond to it. And I'm telling you, right? When we start serving, when we get out of the way ourselves and we make it not about ourselves, but about Jesus, you will be amazed at how many opportunities you have to share his love. I mentioned that it was kind of a tough week for me emotionally, and I'll I, I just, I'll be honest, like it, it I struggled all week um, this time. And just things that I saw that reminded me of Donald and uh, he, the legacy he, he made and and, and in my head all week, I remembered him saying, it, it, you know, it's not about the North Americans coming here and, and doing mission. It's about what we learn in the process. And uh, I, took, I found a couple of videos of him sharing. And uh, I, I kind of want to close with his words, not mine today, that him explaining the ministry and, and, and sharing that, that final thought. So let's watch this.
3: is Donald Gillette. Uh, My wife Pamela and myself started Because We Care Ministry in 2000. Uh, We're now working in Somatia, Chinandega, Nicaragua. Uh, We came down here in 2000 shortly after Hurricane Mitch. Uh, This area was devastated. Uh, We are in the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere and as a result in this area we're 200 kilometers from the capital uh, there's not much up here that the government really cares about uh, and so we're working with local pastor, his name is Diomenez uh, in the Baptist Association of Nicaragua and so we've planted about 35 churches in the last uh, 17 years and we just uh, continue to trust God as we go about our daily uh, work here in Somatia. God's really blessed us through the years and the ministry's grown. Uh, I made a choice to uh, go the route that we're on, simply that we could be multifaceted. And what I mean is uh, our mission teams are able to do a lot of different things. And even today, we're building a home for a lady uh, that one of the teams got to meet uh, sometime back. I think uh, in the 17 years, we built about 80 houses, as well as probably 20 churches. And then uh, we have a medical clinic that sees folk every day it's here on the property Uh, we have 18 acres here uh, and the medical clinic as well as the baptist school are all on this property custody shelley is located here on the property Uh, with our house which we call custody shelley we're able to house up to about 43 missionaries Uh, it's our condition we have hot water Uh, the, the mission teams get to go out each day into some of the villages we're working in. A lot of the new church plants as well as some of the older ones. Uh, Folks that have been here have begun to build relationships with folk in some of these villages. And again, some of them are new. And so they get to start other relations. But when When we talk about building relations, then when they go in these villages, they're playing soccer, they're cooking. Uh, We cook a hot meal every day in the village that we go into, as well as give out dry food. Unfortunately, a lot of the folk here are still very hungry. Uh, They don't have a way of providing for themselves. And a lot of what we do with the teams is not just for the Nicaraguans. A whole lot of what Because We Care is about is helping North Americans find their niche in the kingdom.
2: And that's a reason to come on this trip, to find your place in God's kingdom, not just to reach out and, and do the missional part of it. That's a big part of it. But it's also to find your fit and what you should do when you go home. This is only one week, you know, and it's 51 other weeks in the year where we are called to be missional.
0: The year. What are we going to do to find our niche in the kingdom of God? It's serving. It's going out and, and, and taking advantage of opportunities God gives us. And as a church, that's what we're all about. We give you opportunities to serve right here in our community. It's about relationships, just like they talked about. Building relationships, about sharing Jesus. Right. Our goal is not to reach people that are already in church. Our goal is to reach people who don't know Jesus. Our goal is to reach out into the, the deepest, darkest most hurtful places in the world around us and share that there's hope and that there's love and His name is Jesus. And so I want to just challenge you right now. Have you found your place in the kingdom of God? Have you found where your gifts can be used? Have you found the opportunities that you can serve Him? And and if you're on the sideline, maybe it's time to jump in the game. Maybe it's time uh, to say, "I, I don't want to watch anymore. I want to be part of what God is doing. And so that's my challenge to you today. Are you using your gifts to make much of Jesus or to make much of your own life? When you go on a mission trip like this, I guarantee you come back and you're not thinking about how much stuff you can accumulate. You're not thinking about how many vacations you can go on. You're not thinking about, hey, what can I do to make myself happy and comfortable? you, You go thinking how blessed we are. And there's a responsibility that comes with that blessing. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, If you're watching online, you can pray with us as well today. God, just we thank you for the opportunities uh, that we've seen. Uh, We thank you for this mission team that went and served. Uh, We thank you for Donald Gillette and Pamela and the legacy that they have in Nicaragua. We're thankful for the team in country doing the work day in and day out. And Lord, may we be encouraged by what we see there. Can we be encouraged just to know that as we serve and build relationships, that your name is exalted, that people see Jesus, that people are getting saved day in and day out, that you still are changing lives. It can start with you changing our life. And so if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, right here, right now, can be the moment that forever changes your life when you trust Jesus for your salvation. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised Him from the dead. God's Word is clear that we will be saved. So Lord, right now, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice that's watching online or here today would know without a doubt that they are saved. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything he's done. And will you continue to lead us and guide us as we reach out and push back the darkness right here in Galax. Lord, I pray that you get, help us to get rid of the excuses. It's not someone else's responsibility. We're not too busy. Each and every one of us can rise up to the challenge and find our place to serve you whether it's in this church or in this community, we can put our gifts to work for the kingdom of God. Lord, uh, we honor you today. It's It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Help us not to forget that. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.